Some years ago, probably around the 1970s, I heard an interview with Jermaine Greer, one of the early feminists. And the issue that was being debated was whether uh, females should be able to pilot commercial jets. Something which nowadays we would take for granted was quite a contentious issue at the time. And the interviewer uh, brought up the point where he said that uh, what would happen if uh, at a critical moment the female pilot was having a period and maybe her think thought capacity wasn't as good as it should be. Now, of course, you, you wouldn't make that point nowadays. It would be considered very politically incorrect. And Jermaine Greer just shrugged and said, well, you couldn't tell if I'm having my period or not, could you? Now, that wasn't the point he was making. But the, it raises a very interesting issue. Because there are many women who do have problems with their period. I've seen them in therapy. And I remember one particular woman who, who came in was having huge problems. And she said, oh, she said, how come that nobody's... She said, this is so common. She said, how come nobody's discovered a drug or found a drug or something that will, will help us through this? And of course, the reason is, is that most of these drugs are developed by men who have no interest at all in developing anything for PMS. But the other issue is that for the females who are in the industry, they consider, in a way that women who have problems with PMS are, are letting the side down. For the feminist, the ideal state to be in is that you're as good as the men. And that's why Germaine Greer said, well, you know, having a period is of no relevance. And in some ways, I think in many ways, you could say that all the problems that women have in society can be laid at the door of the feminists. They have set up an expectation that the ideal woman is like a man but can also have a baby and do other things. Um, and it's a ridiculous expectation that women can't do, that, that, that no women can do that. And there's also the parallel uh, issue with that which is that the old-fashioned, what we might call the old-fashioned desirable characteristics of women, which is the nurturing, the femininity, the ability to have babies and so on, is derided. And of course the irony is, is that if a man was to um, promote that or even congratulate a woman on having those characteristics, they would be considered misogynistic. You know, the, the, the ideal um, or in society, certain sections of society, the ideal compliment you can give a woman is that she's strong. Not that she's caring or uh, loving or that she's nurturing or so on. And um, when it comes to strength, really, they're not going to, in general, um, they're not going to be as good as men. And they shouldn't be, it's they're fighting the wrong battle. They have got rid of their birthright. Um, what women are 
can do naturally. We just have babies that men can't do. They have this nurturing quality. They have this quality of looking after an environment, you know, in terms of tidiness, in terms of housekeeping, in terms of caring. These are all deemed as being second rate. You know, in the 70s and 80s, and, and still to a certain extent today, the uniform of the feminists was that the, the dungarees, the shapeless dungarees, and they served a number of purposes. One is that they were shapeless and therefore didn't emphasise body um, image. Um, they, I always thought, even in the 1970s, when I probably would have considered myself a feminist, that they were a kind of um, way of saying, well, F you, you know, because it's the most impractical uh, thing for a woman to wear when you think about it. And many of these dungarees, they have a design just around the fly area, which is a design of a fly. They don't have flies there, but they have that design. You know, so this is like women, you know, pretending to be men. Oh, we're as good as the men. And it's absurd. So there's a whole generation, in fact, there's been a few, you know, we're probably into quite a few generations now of women who have been brought up with this as being the ideal. The ideal woman is, uh, thinks like a man. You know, STEM, oh, let's all get into to science and technology and let's reject these traditional female things that females still get get drawn to and, and Gordon Peterson has pointed this out in his talks um, you know the nurturing professions and nursing and teaching and so on and um, they want the women to be men and, and the women now have this impossible expectation put on them and at the same time, the things that they may naturally be drawn to are derided. I've seen, you know, the ABC in Australia. It produces mocking videos of women who want to stay at home and look after kids. As if, oh, how can women do that? This is so old-fashioned. Is there something wrong with them? I mean, this is what they're saying. Um, this is a huge disservice to women. And is the cause, in one sense, of a lot of the issues. You can say all the issues that women face in society today are due to the expectations that feminists who have a huge influence on the way of thinking in society in the West have put on society. They've rejected women, they've rejected the old traditional ways. Another aspect of this is that in old traditional households, and if we go back, you know, I mean, it's always uh, divided by the feminists, you know, of the 1950s, where they say, oh, the women were all just, you know, dumb and they're all expected to stay stupid and so on. The reality wasn't like that at all. This is a ridiculous notion that they've, they've come up with. The point was that the women were in control of the house and the kitchen and they had their role and the man would go out and earn money and he had his role and society was constructed such that a family could live on one income because one of the things that's happened now is because the women go out to work um, wages have effectively dropped 
because there's now twice the workforce. And now they have to have two people working. This is this is the ridiculous side of it. And now there's isn't the the role, the expectations of the role that they used to be. And so men and women, instead of working collaboratively in a relationship where each one knew their place, knew their role, knew their expectations, and they worked together, in many relationships, and this is cultivated by feminists, they, they, they work in, uh, in competition. And if you listen to feminists talking about marriage and um, relationships, it's always got this edge of there being a competition, that men and women should compete with each other. It's absolute rubbish. Men and women, if they know what their roles are and they're clear about their roles, then they work together, each one knowing what they need to do. And there's no competition. Each one has its expectations. Now, the other side of this, of course, is at the same time as the feminists are pushing women to be more like men, they're pushing men to be more like women. And of course, this is why there's this huge take-up in transgenderism and so on. These are almost like the new heroes. You know, the best woman is a man kind of thing who's become a woman. And men no longer have that role and the expectation and that um, knowing their place in society. And so this breakdown of expected roles and uh, people knowing where the, where they are is causes huge psychological problems. The feminists consider that women who uh, cry or, or whatever are, are, are weakened and they're, they're looked down on. But men who cry, oh, well, they're, they're good men, you know, they're able to be in contact with their feelings. Now, it's absolute rubbish because crying and showing emotion is not the same as feeling emotion. And in fact, it can be cultivated, you know, to um, show a, a sham emotion. We see it all the time with politicians. They can show sham emotion, but it doesn't mean they feel anything. But people fall for it because we live in such a, a, a glib, superficial age. Um, in old societies, men were considered to be, you know, strong and so on and, and not show emotion. It didn't mean that they didn't feel emotion. It meant that they simply got on with the job of living. If the man is to provide for the family and things go wrong and so on, he has to go out and provide for the family. He can't afford the indulgence of, of crying. Um, women, uh, as part of that nurturing and part of that uh, relationship with the, the emotional side of, of things were allowed, you know, it was considered okay, you know, to, to, to cry and, and, and so on. And it's just part of that relationship that people had with their emotions and with, their, with, with life. But don't kid yourself that a man who cries is, is somehow better because he's feeling emotion. No, absolute rubbish, absolute rubbish. Half these people who are on YouTube and all this and they're, they're crying, they're showing mock tears and so on, there's no reality there at all. Um, one of the 
aspects of this superficial society that we live in is that it leads people to be very easily manipulated. You see uh, articles nowadays and discussion nowadays is all based, uh, or largely not based on rationality. The people who have rational thinking, such as Jordan, Jordan Peterson and, and so on, um, they're, they're, they're really at the fringes in many ways of um, the, the, mass, the mass media. And what's accepted or rejected is, is purely on an emotional level. I've seen criticism, quite common criticism of Jordan Peterson. Oh, it's, um, heterose- it's all hetero-biased and uh, doesn't affirm gay, gay rights or stuff like that. You know, you've got to throw in the right keywords and so on. Now, if you're going to accept or reject something based on whether it fulfills certain key words or certain criteria... Well, A, you've given up thinking, uh, and B, you are then very open to being manipulated because society changes these rules all the time. And what's correct one day becomes incorrect the next. And so you're being manipulated by people who will tell you, oh, this is right and this is wrong. And this cuts you off, and I've said this before, it cuts you off from any natural feelings about what's right or wrong. And you become very anxious because you don't really know. You're always treading on eggshells. You never know what's going to be accepted or what isn't. But this is the world that the feminists have produced. They deliberately change the framework. Uh, to the point that you never know what's going to be accepted, what isn't, what's right at this moment. Now, one of the things when we talk about the 1950s and so on, that was before the advent of the pill. And the pill made a huge difference to um, the role of women, because women could now go out and have sex in the way that men did. Um, Now, the abortionists, of course, are trying to do the same thing. Oh, you can go out and have sex, and if you have a baby, if you get pregnant, we just kill it off. So they're trying to do the same thing with abortion as happened with the pill. The side effects of the pill, if you look at them, are actually pretty pretty horrible. And a lot of women, women, their lives have been distorted um, because of the fact that they take the, the, the pill. Now, in media, and again, this is due to the feminists, uh, a lot of these hero roles are now women, but the women aren't... Um, <laughs> they're not like any normal woman. Usually, you know, they're able to you know, hack into a computer, they know martial arts, they, even if they're very slight and they're always very good looking, they can, you know, kill off uh, the, the huge um, hulk of a person breaking all laws of physics because they're so good at their martial arts and they have uncanny abilities and so on. So they set up expectations that no woman could possibly achieve. 
Now, you could argue that they've been doing that for men for years, but no man ever, I mean, they might have seen that as, as an emulation, as something to aspire to. But it was never in the past a threat to masculinity. Because they weren't saying, um, you men are doing something wrong, this is what you should be doing. They were saying, this is the extreme, you know, take this and you have a laugh of it, have a run with it. But, you know, in some ways you might get this, some ways you won't. But with women, they've turned the whole thing on their head. They've said, this is what you should aspire to. Not having babies, not having a good life, not even being happy, but you should be able to run a business, no martial arts, hack into computers, you should be able to outwit anybody, in, and so on and so on and so on. Um, and this goes against, for many women, it goes against their natural inclinations. Now, of course, what happens to the women who pursue that path, of setting up the careers and so on, is that when they get to a certain time of life and they realise that their biological clock is running out, um, and they realise also the futility of what they've done and the, the emptiness of it, and they become severely depressed. I mean, this is why there's such a huge take-up in IVF and other such things, um, because there's a kind of desperation. And, and women who are very career-based, they're unable to get back into this feminine side. They've been so long stuck in this left brain and so on, they find it difficult to let go. I've often said with hypnosis, don't, don't go to IVF, go to a good hypnotist, hypnotherapist, and they should be able to get you into a relaxed state where you'll have a baby naturally. And it's much better and much safer than IVF, but of course people are so conditioned by the conventional medical profession that they want to go something which is um, gives them drugs and plays around with their hormones and stuff like this. It, it's pretty terrible stuff. Um, I think for the first time, you, you know, more women are having babies in their 30s and into their 40s than in their 20s. And it is very much more difficult for women. Um, but they've been so bamboozled and um, conditioned by the feminist movement that this is the state we've got to. So we could argue, uh, and it goes there's many aspects of this, that all the problems that women have, and, and it flows into the problems that society have, are created by the feminists who aren't um, advocating femininity, they're advocating masculinity in women. And the whole name, I mean, it's like so much in this world that everything's got turned upside down. Um, they're not feminists, they're masculinists. They want women to be like, behave like men. And unfortunately, because women don't know society, they're brought up that way, they don't know any better. They fall into this trap. And it's producing depression, anxiety, problems all the way down the line and even into the marriages, if they get married.
thank you for listening. You can email me, phil at graham.net. You can look at my website, philip with one L dot graham.net. Graham is B-R-A-H-A-M. And if you send an email, put podcast in the subject so it doesn't get lost. Thank you.